Hey there, welcome to Podmass. Are you ready? Let's hang out. It's it's Podmass. Podmass is like the advent calendar of podcasting traditions that was started by some podcasters somewhere who recognized that during the holiday season there were a lot of people tuning in. This is mostly because we're traveling and dealing with family and other crap we don't want to deal with, but most recently because so many of us have been stuck at home with the pandemic. And so Modern Witch is joining the festivities this year by dropping an episode every day between Yule and the New Year. That's like 11 episodes of Modern Witch. And I don't know what it says about you that you're tuning in to a bunch of witches for holiday cheer, but... Whatever, it's cool. I mean, come on in, no judgment. Uh, again, it's it's Podmass, and you're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. What is that? It's a little bag made from the skin of a toad. Does it matter? She, she's tampering in dark-sided stuff. Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft. You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter. Welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast. This is day six. I think it's day six of Podmass. And uh, if you're still with me, oh my goodness, you are amazing. Speaking of, of staying with me, uh, today we are going to be going through something I actually wanted to do uh, when the podcast hit 10 years, uh, which was like two years ago almost. Um, which was to do a best of episode. And let me just tell you that uh, if you've been with me since the beginning, I started the show way back in April of 2010. And um, if you've been with me this entire time, you have know that I have had several intros. Um, I have had varying degrees of quality when it comes to uh, recording and audio production. And I've been going through to, uh, you know, just kind of, re gotta familiarize myself with those shows and those interviews and because it's been a minute right it has been a minute and what i've learned what i've discovered is that um boy oh boy has modern which just been awesome for me and i i mean this in the fact that like the you can see my progress is just you know somebody who literally grabbed a super cheap microphone i think it cost me ten dollars at rca uh, or Radio Shack, back when there were Radio Shacks, and um, I brought it home. I was using a old laptop that was uh, like given to me. It was somebody's hand me down. It was already like five years old, and I was recording in my bathroom because it was the quietest space in the house. And so I started the podcast and Modern Witch back in 2010. Um, and as I've been going through the episodes, I'm just kind of in awe because, I mean, some of those first episodes, people, were shit. I mean, just absolute shit. And so if you go, I mean, there's clicks and pops and there's uh, heavy breathing, which I still do. I can't, I have like horrible sinus stuff. So every once in a while you can hear me breathing and stuff. And I, I'm so sorry for that. It annoys the fuck out of me when I'm editing it. Um, but I don't always have time to go through and, and remove all the breathes and, you know, all the stuff. So, anywho, it's a thing. It's a progress. It's, it's just everything's a work in progress, right? And if you've been with me since the beginning, you've seen this progress. And um, I just well, I just want to say thank you because there's some of these episodes that um, have hit over 25,000 downloads. 
Um, the whole series itself has had over 500,000 downloads, which is a really big deal, uh, especially for a podcast doing what I do. Um, and especially because, you know, I've been intermittent, right? I go years, I've gone years without putting anything up on the show because I was working on something or, you know, honestly, life gets tough, right? So, um, when you've got to work a full-time job and you've got to write books and you got to travel and it just gets hard. So, um, but now all that shit's different, right? Cause I'm here, you're here. I quit my day job basically, and so pod mass. <laughs> um, and you know, the goal, the goal always has been to bring the show back to being a weekly thing. So here we are, um, doing one every day. We'll see. You know, we'll see. I don't know. No promises, but that's the goal. I would love to do that. Um, and if I, you know, if this is, you know, again, going through these old episodes, I'm listening. And uh, back when the show was weekly, that was like a whole thing. Um, and it was a lot of work. It was something that um, every single day, because the show used to be live. So I, it's gone through a couple phases. Uh, the show was, again, recorded in my bathroom for a while. Um, and I was lucky because I, I was traveling a lot from Pagan Festival to Pagan Festival when I was younger. And I was meeting people. I was meeting authors and I was meeting just really cool witches and, and singers and people out there in the world. And I would have these great conversations with them around the fire. And I would think, you know, geez, this would make a great podcast. And so that was kind of the impetus, I guess, for, for Modern Witch. Um, and I was really pissed off at what was then the Tea Party, which I guess has evolved into QAnon at this point. I, I don't know. It's been over a decade. They've, they've had some they've had many faces. But the first episode of the show is literally me screaming into a microphone. <laughs> like I think the first thing you hear is fuck you tea party like that's like the first thing you hear so um yeah and then in you know I then went through a phase where I was very uh into pagan politics and I was uh very uh just I think every episode was like oh pagan leadership and pagan this and pagan that and blah 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 and um oh that's changed uh, quite a lot, I would say. <laughs> um, over, so, you know, again, listening to my, you know, my own uh, evolution and also listening to my voice drop is, is kind of interesting uh, because back in you know, apparently 12 years ago, I was, I don't know, I sounded like a, a little mouse. I was, burr, burr, burr. Um, so anyway, it's been a wild ride. And again, you know, um, I just love you. I love this show. I love doing this. I, it's something that I had always prayed and hoped I could one day turn into my day job in a lot, you know, and I'm able to kind of do that. And um, so getting back into the groove of things has been really fun with Podmas. And so, you know, this is honestly just as much for me as it is for you guys. And um, being able to do that whole progress check, right, has is, is been just a trip for me. So I, I'm excited about sharing some of this with you today. And uh, what you're going to hear are some of my favorite moments, essentially. I'm calling it the best of, but over the last 12 years of doing this podcast, um, I've had some really weird and fun and just neat, trippy discussions with some people that um, I probably never would have had the chance to talk to otherwise, you know, and the show allowed, you know, gave us that space to do that. So that's what we're going to do um, is is that and there's, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, it may be a, a two parter. I forgive me if it is, but it may be a two parter. Um, but there's there's some stuff that I, I just feel like, especially if you're newer to the show um, and you haven't gone through the whole catalog of shows, you might have missed. And um, if you 
listened to the first some of the first shows and you were like, oh my god, this is the shittiest quality. Well, first of all, let me tell you, 12 years ago, recording stuff at home was a not cheap it, like it is i mean it's way cheaper now to get like a microphone and get a whole setup right like i could probably get a whole podcasting setup for 150 bucks and get everything i would ever need um to get started back then that was not the case you basically had really cheap like desk microphones um you had the kind of stuff that you could get if you were like a telemarketer kind of went up like a gamer kind of headset and then you had the uber, uber, uber expensive stuff. And I was not about to go try to make that happen back then. Um, so, yeah. And now here I am. I've got basically a studio. I mean, what this Modern Witch Studio is, is literally a recording studio. Um, and I have a great microphone. And I've got, you know, all the software and all the things I could ever need. Right. So it's it's it's. It's just neat. I don't know. I'm I'm having a lot of nostalgia. I hope that uh, if you're a, a longtime listener that you do too. I hope that you have some of those moments of, oh, yeah. Um, but also, wow, just it, listening to the catalog of shows over the last 12 years is like mind-blowing um, for me. So I'm, I don't know. I'm having a moment over here. I'm verklempt. I'm verklempt. But I digress. We're going to, we're going to move on. I'm going to, we're going to get onto the content for the day. I've been rambling about my show for and what it means to me and i know that's kind of lame but it does mean a lot to me and um it means a lot that you listen to it because glamour magazine i i mean first of all let me tell you glamour magazine uh recommending us is huge that's like fucking epic and the av club years ago doing the same thing is a big deal so like we're the only podcast that has both the stamp of approval from the av club and glamour magazine um, it, it's a big deal. You know, this show led to me being able to go on television. I got on uh, to tell the truth because of it. And on ABC, like I was on national television uh, it, because of, of really the show and, you know, the, the books. I, I think I probably wouldn't have been able to write books had the show not come out when it did and, and all of that. When I started, there were probably only four podcasts on that were like pagan occulty ish and um three and i think they're all still around too actually well no one of them's gone so we down at the crossroads was was a thing i think they had a different name back then but chris orpello and tara love mcguire were podcasting basically they started like right which if you listen to the episode they were on they we talked about this but they they started right around the same time I did, um, and then there is the folks. There are the folks over at the Wiggly and Way. They've been podcasting for I think just as long too, but I think that it's basically uh, it's that's it as far as those long, long, long. No, Inciting a Riot I think was right around then too. So there was a little bloom of us, but a lot of us didn't stick around. Like there was a, a really fun podcast called Eat My Pagan Ass that I loved, and it was probably the reason I decided to go ahead and jump into the podcasting um, because it was it was a guy named Lucky and his co-host and I can't remember her name but they were like New Yorkers and they were just kind of crass and um, just hilarious and it was it, and then they just disappeared and the, the feed dropped and so I wish I had saved those those original episodes because oh my gosh so good so good so good folks um, but that was one of those shows that was around and it isn't around anymore. And there are a lot of shows that, um, I mean, first of all, if you're a podcaster or you're interested in podcasting and you get beyond, I would say if you can get 10 episodes out, you have already done more than what 90% of podcasters actually get done. 
Um, and you've seen me try to start other shows that just fall flat on their face. And, and it, there's a lot of reasons that stuff happens. There's an absolute lot of reasons that stuff happens. And I think it maybe even would have happened with this show had it not been something that I really needed to do because I had just moved to California and I had like no friends and you know it, it was it was my way of, of being social I think in a lot of ways so um, it was this wonderful thing for me at the time I'm glad I did it but it, it I also didn't have a lot of pressure behind it where I know a lot of podcasters today have so much pressure when they're trying to get their show started to to do things that I never really had to do like I didn't have to be super consistent um, even though if I had been oh my goodness I'm sure I would have a million more followers by this point um, but that's okay. It's chill. You all are with me. You're, you know, what's up with me. I, I, at the very least would tune in with you and let you know, Hey, this shit's going down or this is going on. So I haven't been putting a show out. And if you're following me on social media, you already know these things. Um, so I don't know. I love you guys. I feel like we're family. I honestly, I, and I love meeting you at the conferences and I love getting your emails and I love, uh, meeting you on the and you know, on the social medias and all of I mean social media is super overwhelming to me and we're actually going to do a, a an episode of the new show about that that's going to be on YouTube um, but uh, I my listeners are so great because they they're not what makes it overwhelming for me so um, it's the other stuff it's all the other stuff on social media that tends to make it overwhelming but my listeners and the people who I've connected to know like you guys make it great so thank you so much and you mean a lot to me so anyway blah 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 blah. that's my timer telling me that i need to shut up and move on so all right i am going to digress once again this is Podmass. this is a best of episode uh for modern witch the last uh, over 100 episodes over 10 years which again almost 12 years now um lots of modern witch has been out there there is so many 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 episodes um and uh, yeah um, um 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 okay i'm doing it all right i'm gonna shut up i love you it's Podmass. merry Podmass. thanks for hanging out Alex is a Harvard graduate. She is an editor for Rolling Stone magazine. Um, she's worked with MTV News. If you remember a few years back, there was a, uh, an, an interview and kind of follow process that was done with Raven Digitalis for MTV News. Alex was behind that as well. Um, on top of that, she's worked with BBC, CBS. I mean, she's been everywhere. So this, this, this woman is incredibly talented, um, and she has this amazing background, and she turned her eye to uh, developing an independent featured film called American Mystic, which is now touring and uh, has been kind of all over the world, essentially, and has made a very big splash in the pagan community. Joining us here today to talk about the film is director Alex Marr. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks. Um, it's good to be here. So, Alex, your your film, American Mystic, uh, has been everywhere. And you, you went to Tribeca, and I know I got to see it here in San Francisco, and you've been traveling all over the world, essentially, with, with this movie. How's the response been? It's been great. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I had the, um, the really great experience of having, you know, we had the world premiere at Tribeca earlier this year, and the audiences were really terrific. Um, and in, uh, I was in Poland recently screening the film, and, uh, you know, the fun of that is you see a completely different kind of crowd and the Q&As are always different each time. So, so Alex, American Mystic is the first full-length featured independent film 
that really shows paganism and in a positive light. Um, and I have to say, you know, when I got to see it, I was completely blown away. I was really impressed um, with the fact that here, here you are, you're not a pagan, um, and you've walked in and you follow three very interesting subjects. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your subjects in the film? Sure. the The film takes uh, takes the approach of of looking at three different people who are all uh, in their twenties in very different parts of the country who um, essentially, you know, live outside of the mainstream in different ways in order to practice their faiths. So uh, there is a young Lakota Sioux um, who lives in the Badlands in South Dakota. And um, he sun dances there. And uh, there's a young man named Kubla who is um, training to become a spiritualist medium and healer in upstate New York. And um, and then finally, there's Morpheus, who is um, a pagan priestess. She's she technically is a fairy priestess, and she lives way up the grid in in Northern California. And um, I'm sure a, a lot of your listeners will know her as as the Morpheus behind uh, Stone City, which is a pagan sanctuary that that basically we managed to capture in its earlier stages in the film. So those are the three characters that that, that we follow in in the movie and we go back and forth and you start after a while you start to sort of see um you know while their practices are so wildly different you start to see some of the human connections and some of the universals that uh apply when you know basically we're looking at at, at a bunch of young younger people who are trying to find some sort of meaning in their lives so um so that's that's pretty much the story so what prompted you to want to direct a film such as American Mystic? Well, I, you know, this is something, you know, I've talked about a little bit before, Devin. It's, it's sort of, um, I, I kind of think of myself as someone who's always been a little bit tweaked. You know, I've, I've just always, I've had pretty much a lifelong fascination with, you know, what does it mean to deliberately live on the fringes? What does it mean to um, to go out of your way to become part of a community that is sort of an outsider community or off the grid in some way? And um, and especially, you know, what what goes into living outside of the mainstream because of your beliefs? Um, I was raised partly Catholic by uh, my mother, who is Cuban and Spanish, um, and, you know, at the same time, a liberal and a feminist. So that's kind of a really confusing cocktail right there. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I was raised with a real fascination um, with uh, the level of, of ritual that goes into Catholic practice and the stories and the martyrs and, you know, high mass. And um, as I got a little bit older and started to question uh, that whole system, what really stuck with me was how exotic a lot of those rituals were, especially if you looked at them as an outsider. And I started to kind of draw a parallel with, you know, how many other spiritual groups are there out there where at first encounter, I might really not know how to relate. Um, is it simply that I just don't come from that tradition? And is is there a way to maybe you know, what's the line that the through line there, what connects all of these different practices that may at first seem very exotic from the outside. So um, I'd spent time with a lot of different groups around the country for different stories that I've done in the past. And um, when I had the chance to make a feature documentary, I, I sort of I, I knew pretty quickly that that what I wanted to do was somehow 
you know, connect the dots between all of these different groups that I'd been drawn to. So um, I spent, um, at the end of the day, on and off about six months casting the film, which was this incredibly intense, rigorous process. Um, I was in rural Tennessee and in Alabama, you know, all over California, of course, uh, in the Dakotas. Um, and and I, I met with people who practiced, you know, any number of traditions. And the idea was, you know, to really stick with people who are um, outside of, you know, the big three religions and, and, you know, could not be considered part of some sort of mainstream. Um, so there were people who, who defined as, as pagan or neo-pagan. There were people who, you know, I, I spent time with some serpent handlers in the South. I spent time with, uh, you know, of course, spiritualists in different parts of the country and um, some more kind of uh, neo-Christian groups that were a little bit um, more radical. Um, but I knew, I knew at the end of the day, I wanted the film to really represent a side to spiritual practice in the States that we don't see very often or at all. I mean, I, I was frustrated from my time in the media and um, as an editor at Rolling Stone and, you know, just doing different things in the mainstream media in the States. Um, I was really frustrated with this idea of America as, um, you know, this monolithic Christian culture. Everyone's an evangelical. You know, if you watch the news, sometimes it's the impression that you get. And certainly that's the impression abroad sometimes. So, uh, and if it's not that, then you're a member of a really... Um, kind of freaky religious cult um, where, you know, that's inherently negative. And, and I, I just knew that wasn't true. So I wanted this film to be um, about a different side of spirituality in the States that, that, you know, we don't see on screen. Alex, why these three people? I mean, what, what kind of set them aside uh, when you're going through the process of screening and, and figuring out who you really wanted to include in the film? Why was it these three people? Yeah, you know, I guess a lot of it, and, and I'm sure a lot of filmmakers will say the same thing, a lot of it is about going by your gut and a sense of intuition. Um, first off, you know, with, with a documentary, uh, there's the challenge of dealing with subjects who, you know, they're not trained actors, they're not, uh, you know, you need to find people who um, are actually comfortable on camera. Um, and that's, that's as simple as it sounds, it can make a real difference, especially when you're, you're asking people to share something as sensitive and as private as, you know, their, their faith. Um, and then I had to find people who were actually brave enough to share that part of their lives. And I had some, um, there, there were a few people, especially in relation to this small coven that I spent time with in Tennessee, um, there were two individuals there who such would have made really wonderful subjects, but they were they were legitimately afraid that that if they were outed as witches, that they would lose their jobs and that they would potentially be unsafe or their families would be unsafe. Um, but then also there was the sense of a balance. You know, what whoever I showed in the film, I, I, I really wanted there to be a sense that, you know, you're showing a scope of what is being practiced in in uh, in the States. Um, so those were some of the biggest challenges. And then, you know, I went by uh, Kubla. Kubla has such wonderful qualities on screen. He's this, he's the youngest of the three. He was about 25 when we shot the film. And he's this very kind of, um, you know, athletic uh, kind of linebacker, 
type guy. And uh, he breaks horses and bales hay to make money. And um, in his, uh, you know, non-existent free time, he goes out of his way to um, study spiritualist practice and try to connect with spirits on the other side. And I just found that, you know, as as a character, he just seems so complete and compelling. And, and someone like Morpheus, it, you know, part of it was um, she's so charismatic because um, she's also a belly dancer. So she had this sense of understanding, you know, okay, it's, it's, we're making a film, let's collaborate, let's do this. But um, she was also, I also caught her and her husband, Shannon, at this interesting moment where they were embarking on this really incredible project of turning, you know, a hundred acres of land in the middle of, you know, really like kind of the boonies. You're, you're, you're an hour's drive from the nearest town, well into the mountains. And um, they, they were really in the process of turning that into, you know, community property and a real sanctuary. And um, so I think sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's personality. It's, it's also catching someone at the right moment in their life. Um, so hope, you know, Hopefully that gives you a sense of the thinking that went into it. You had a, a really beautiful chance as an outsider to go and, and see a very intimate part of these specific spiritual practices. In the film, we get to see, you know we get to follow Kupla, who's going through this this beautiful training process. And I know a lot of pagans have um, kind of this sympathetic view where they really appreciate the spiritualist movement. And a lot of what we consider to be neo-paganism is derived from the work and from the spiritualist movement. Um, and we get to see Chuck, who is preparing to do Sundance. We don't get to watch the Sundance happen, of course, um, but you got to to be a part of, of that and kind of cultivate um, a, a view, an opinion on that. And then, of course, when you're following Shannon and uh, Morpheus, you get to be a part of some rituals. And we, you know, so we get this really intimate um, kind of outsider's look in to these practices. What was that experience like for you coming from, again, you know, you, you coming from this Catholic background and, you know, of course, you have your eyes wide open. Um, and there's a lot of curious uh, curiosity there. But what was that like for you to kind of be a part of that as an outsider? Well, it's it's uh, I mean, of course, it was fantastic. It's I I I've always thought that, you know, any project you take on should be basically an excuse for an experience that you personally want to have. So so uh, this, you know, the whole process of making this film was just a giant excuse for me to be able to travel the country and talk to people and ask um, ask questions and really explore for myself as well, because I don't. And this is something I would tell everyone that, who I met, you know, I, I, I consider myself to be some kind of believer, but I, I don't, I don't know, you know, how to describe what I believe in. I know, I know that I, I definitely feel like there's something important out there, but um, I've never identified strongly enough with one particular practice or another. So, so, um, you know, any time that I was welcomed into a ritual, it was great. It was this incredible opportunity to, you know, to, to feel things out. And, um, basically, I mean, one thing I should mention too is, uh, you know, you have, there's certainly been a lot of, um, documentaries, you know, whether on TV or, or on the big screen that, um, you know, touch on, on, uh, spiritual practice, but th this one was very much, I really kind of, um, wanted to make sure that it was told through the words of, of the, subjects themselves so so what you'll see if you if you if you know your listeners watch the film is it's you know entirely voiceover and moments with the characters there are no outside experts there's no sort of 
there's no one else chiming in. I'm not personally injecting my own opinions into the film. Um, although, of course, you know, uh, it has a certain slant, you know, that's from my perspective. But um, it really was, you know, that was a big part of the pleasure, too, for me, because, you know, I have hours and hours of interviews sitting down, you know, for instance, with Morpheus and just, you know, we did some of these interviews. They were so intimate. Some of them were just, you know, at midnight sitting in our rental car uh, in the dark, you know, with the moonlight streaming in, recording audio, just going on and on about, um, you know, how she was drawn to fairy practice and what what it feels like to be a priestess and to lead ritual. And what does it mean that she works with um, you know, the goddess, the Morrigan, and, you know, what's that relationship like? What does it feel like when a god or a goddess enters the room during a ritual? Um, the sort of things that you, you know, these aren't everyday conversations, and it's, um, it, so it was, it was really thrilling for me, and at this point, of course, I've spent so many, uh, you, you know, so much time and, and been a part of so many different rituals with different um, pagan uh, subjects, they've become a little bit like friends. And, you know, the running joke is that like the clock is ticking on, on me becoming, <laughs> you know, like joining, joining the tribe. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so it was just an incredible opportunity and, um, you know, really transformative in a way. Alex, you were, you were able to take the film overseas and, uh, you were in Poland, you said, and, you know, of course, over here in the States. And so it's had time to circulate. What has the feedback been from the pagan community about the film? Well, there's, okay, that's a good question. Um, you know, very few people in the pagan community have seen the film in its entirety so far. Last year at Pantheacon, um, we screened a teaser of about 10 minutes of the film um, just to give people a taste and to let them know that this was on the horizon. And the response was very, very intense. It was great. Uh, there was so much curiosity. And, um, you know, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, but it was unanimously the response was, oh, my gosh, we can't believe a film finally exists that that um, shows something real about the way we practice. Um, so that was really exciting for me that it's it sort of struck a chord, and then um, the San Francisco screening that you were at had a very strong um, uh, pagan uh, contingent in the audience. Um, so I, I think in general it's been really really positive. Uh, it's just that very few people have seen it so far. So we're really excited because it's now all set that we're we're going to do um, a special screening um, at at Pantheacon this year of, of the entire film. Um, and we're also going to exclusively release the DVD of the film at Pantheacon um, and, and through Pagan and New Age outlets for the first few months of the life of the DVD. So that's going to be really fun. It'll finally be a chance to kind of get uh, mass reactions from the community. So let's take a listen to um, the trailer for the movie. Um, and you guys at home, definitely listen to the, the tone of, of these subjects. Some people, when they ask me about my religion, they say, so you speak to dead people? But what do you believe is dead? What is death? My goal in life is to do as much good in the world as I can, and sometimes that might mean doing some strong magic. A lot of Indian people were converted to Christianity back in the early days. There wasn't a lot of people that practiced traditional Lakota beliefs. Or that pole that's on top of the tree, there's a rope that goes over. 
and they pierce one on his flesh. I'm studying to be a medium in the spiritualist church. I believe mediumship with spirits is possible. We affirm that communication with the so-called dead is a fact scientifically proven by the phenomena of spiritualism. I saw your aura and it was very well lit. There is something very powerful about witchcraft and that will always be a little bit threatening to some people. Lord of the wild hunt, Lord of light. I don't go around and convince people that I'm all about sweetness and light, because I'm not. The Sundance, we prepare for it all year long. They'll take a scalpel and cut like a slit. A lot of things are hidden from our eyes that you have to become part of a group to understand. I have a gentleman who comes in here who would have been uh, fairly tall. I have a lady that may have had cancer. I'm aware of a gentleman behind you. He comes with a huge hug for you. What God gave to us was our flesh, and we give that back to him. Piercings. Buffalo bones. So a lot of men make a commitment. Pierce. You start to sing. The rattles will start shaking on their own. You see lights, flashes. I'm seeking the full depth and breadth of what creation has to offer. You'll hear spirits talking like you're almost in a different place. My thoughts have never been like the regular 17-year-old. I'm thinking is, how can I obtain the ability to speak to God? So that was from way back in 2011. Again, that was an interview with Alex Marr. That's just a snippet of it. Uh, primarily focusing on, obviously, her her movie that had just come out, uh, which is this fantastic documentary. And it was really cool to go to the West Coast premiere here in San Francisco. I got to go with a friend. Um, and uh, it was just a really wonderful time. It was really cool to, to meet her. And then to get to talk about the the her whole experience um and she's you know she's one of those people who is an outlier in so many ways to the occult movement here in america and um i you know even though she herself not an occultist um she's interested and so you know and it's people like her who are documenting people like us and so it's really interesting to get to just poke at her and um Anyway, it's a very cool interview. I, I very much like it. Our next interview um, is actually going to be pretty pretty interesting. So this comes from 2014, and uh, it is an interview with a porn star, Connor Habib. And Connor Habib is um, he's an occultist, and so I was particularly interested in trying to figure out what that was like, being the intersection of, of porn and the occult, um, mostly because occultism focuses so much on liberation of the body liberation of the mind liberation of the spirit and so i think porn if you're the type of person who you know could do it i think that that could be this incredible vehicle for that that freedom and that sense of empowerment and so i was really interested to see and just kind of scratch the surface of that because it's something i've always wondered you know i if i i am a uh i'm a dude who um has a, a you know I'm I have a Pornhub account so I you know I see that there are um, 
tattoos often on on these these performers and often they're occult tattoos and so i was always wondered are there a lot of occultists in porn is that a thing is there like a hidden uh secret group of of occult pornist porno people i don't know occult pornist a porno occultist porno occultist i think would be the the term um anyway so it was this really fun interview for me uh he's somebody who is he he's actually quite fascinating he studies a vein of occultism that is not um because of rudolf steiner isn't exactly what we would consider maybe occultism in the the witchcraft kind of a sense in the getting dirty and talking to spirits and stuff kind of sense um steiner's work deals more with the nature of the soul and and mankind and, and things like that so um but it nonetheless very interesting um even with that this huge you know influx of philosophy um there there's a lot of of witches who have steiner kind of stuff in their in their uh, portfolio so it was a really fun interview and uh all right i'll shut up all right so once again you're listening to modern witch we are doing a best of uh like part one because we're definitely gonna end up doing part two um and uh we're gonna hear an interview with connor habib from back in 2014 (laughs) so when do you, do you have any like special talent or anything that people just don't know about you? Huh. You know, I might be the one person who's been on your show that has recorded many of my special talents. For the world oh, that's, to see. True. that's true. So, so I don't know that there's any that people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who is your favorite porn star? Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, um, of course, that's probably uh, putting you in a weird spot, isn't it? Um, no, 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 because all my favorite porn stars are ones that are dead or retired. Um, so it's not that weird um, because those are the ones that I sort of like grew up idolizing. Um, you know, there was this guy. <clears throat> uh, well, first of all, there's this guy, Blake Harper, who I don't know why I was obsessed with him. I just thought it was great. There's um, you, you asked me for a favorite. So. Go for it, yeah. Do yeah, you really want me to just say one? Um, this guy, Paul Kerrigan, it was just this sort of, this sort of indifferent, like he was very sexily indifferent, sexily indifferent. Like, you know, if you watch porn now and you see the person not getting into it and it's not attractive at all. But for some reason, this guy just seemed like kind of not really who gives a shit, but he was like really sexy doing it. Um, and there are plenty others, but I think... I think I'll actually just stop there. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to get, I'm going to get beaten if I don't, if I don't appease these gay boys who keep asking me to <laughs> ask me all kinds of porn questions. And I'm like, well, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, no. So, <laughs> so in porn, um, when you're, when you, when you're making a video when you're, when you're, you know, kind of getting ready to, to go and shoot, do you do anything to like prep yourself spiritually, mentally? I mean, is there any process like that? Or do you just kind of show up and say, Hey, Um, yeah, you just kind of, I just kind of show up. In fact, I think that not getting too concerned with it and just sort of going in is the best way to do it, you know, because then suddenly you're in it and you're like, oh, I'm here, I'm doing this. And that's, that's it, you know? Yeah. Would you say there's anything you've learned from porn? I mean, as far as like personal habits, personal traits, those types of things? Oh my God. So, so much. I mean, I've learned so much from making movies. I mean, uh, the one thing that that really stands out for me is um, it really helped me become more attracted to who I was actually attracted to because 
you know, I'm getting paid. Like when you're in porn, you get paid to have sex with the people that everybody culturally says are the most attractive people. You know, I mean, they just have giant penises and like perfect muscles and all that kind of stuff. And so then when you're sort of offset, you know, you don't have your sort of knee jerk cultural reaction um, and appeal or attraction to those kinds of guys anymore. I mean, you might still find some of those people attractive, but really, you know, like some guy with abs hits on me and I'm like, yeah, I get paid to have sex with people who are in better shape than you. Why should I care about what you look like? You know, and so suddenly you start becoming attracted to who you're really attracted to. So I think that that, it showed me that, which is really, which is really crazy. And, you know, it's sort of like, it's sort of just like cleared up all my societal conditioning bullshit, you know, and now I don't, you know, some dude walks in the room with like giant pecs and big arms and, more often than not, I don't just like boop, like look over at him like everybody else when he walks in the room. But you know, the sort of like chubby, doughy guy, you know, with big ears, like strides on by, and I'm like, who is that? You know, like I, I just I, I never know when it's going to strike, but when it does, it's genuine now. So you're one of the most recognizable adult film stars, and so I, I wonder, does that? make like do you have like weird like are you just like getting coffee one day and then all of a sudden some some strange like guy shows up and is like sign my pickle like is there any like weirdness (laughs) no one's asked me to sign their pickle either in like a literal way or a figurative way um uh i wish more people would um i you know in San Francisco, yes. I mean, I moved to LA nine months ago and I still have had some people stop me here, but I moved here kind of to up the ante. So it's like, if you're not Rihanna and you live in LA, like no one's going to stop you because it's like, it's just a faux pas to like stop someone and talk to them. And so while, you know, people are more apt to pretend they don't know who you are here. (laughs) And so like, while, um, in San Francisco, it was just like every 10 steps, like, you know, I would encounter someone that either knew who I was or we had had that conversation or whatever. And it was awesome. Like I, I loved it, but I wanted to, I wanted to really be somewhere that didn't feel like that. And so I moved here and now I'm just a total nobody. And that also feels awesome because it's just making me work harder. I mean, I haven't made a movie for my last movie came out in January and I haven't made any this year. Um, I would never say I've retired. I I have something I want to do before the end of the year with my friend who started his own site, but I've been working on writing so much lately. And so like people don't usually stop you for being an author, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they don't, they they don't, I don't know. Maybe they do. I'm not sure, but uh, I don't experience that as much. We'll see what happens. So one of the um, so you used to well I don't know if you probably still do it but uh, you were the sexpert on New Now Next for Logo, yeah. and uh, so do you do you have any um, let's say questions that were have been kind of filtered your way that you think hey that's that's a really important question and people don't ask that enough. Yeah, um, I think I think one of the biggest ones really was that sort of sexual racism question like are you a racist if you're not attracted to people of different races than your own? Um, That came up 
a bit and I answered it on one show and it was very like people got very angry with my answer, which was, yes, you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, but don't be so hard on yourself, you know, like, uh, we just, just sort of look at it. Um, so, so I think that that was a really important question. I think, um, I think people are so, so feel so much guilt and like, pressure when it comes to sex and uh you know and don't and and don't see it as a process you know and so i think that kind of thing showed up in a lot of questions like oh i you know i can't perform or you know i, I i'm not as good at sex as my partner is or i can't stop looking at other guys even though i have a boyfriend or whatever and it was like chill out like we're all learning like this is this is something that people do not teach you anything about ever you know they might teach you how to put on a condom or something like that but no one teaches you how to deal with pleasure and your desires so it's a process um it's okay let you know you're learning be gentle with yourself yay okay so that was connor habib um and I, I, that was a very fun and awkward interview for me, mostly because I didn't want to make it all about the sex. Um, but at the same time, I was like, well, you're, that's kind of your thing, right? So anyway, um, the last part here for today's episode is actually, um, a snippet from a pagan podcast, Supermoot. It was number three, um, and it happened back in 2012. And so, um, this used to be something that, uh, Firelight from Inciting a Riot, um, did with Velma Nightshade. They would organize it, um, which was very, very kind of them. And we where they would pick like a city, um, every year. And then the pagan podcasters would try to get together and network. And it was a really fun thing. So one year it happened to be in San Francisco and it happened to be like at the perfect time so I could do it. And we ended up, um, hosting a little thing at the shop when we had the shop open. Um, and we did a kind of like a round table discussion and this is the recording from that round table discussion. And so you're going to hear the voices of, uh, firelight from inciting a riot, uh, you're going to hear Saturn Dark Hope from Pennies in the Well, uh, Kathri- Kathleen Borealis from Borealis Meditation. She's uh, she's still around. She's doing some stuff. Uh, if you if you aren't aware, um, she's totally like rocking it out in the mineral uh, world. It's it's pretty amazing. So you should check her out. Uh, Corey Hutchison from New World Witchery. He's still around doing his stuff. Uh, Nimosi Mars. Or I always Mimosine Mars. I always totally mispronounced that um from pagan by nature i kind of see her in and out i hope she's doing well i haven't really seen her lately um on the on the internets but i hope she's doing well if she hears this um and then of course velma nightshade from witches brouhaha so um of those i i want to say like we'll see firelight's still around with inciting a riot i know kathleen borealis is still putting out content uh cory obviously uh cory and lane over at new world witchery they're still out uh, Scarlet Page or Scarlet McPage, I believe Lakefront Pagan Voice is gone now. Um, and I think Pagan by Nature with uh, Nimosi Mars is gone. Um, and I think Velma Nightshade is still putting stuff out. So I want to say like out of out of the group, of, I think most of us are still around, which is really cool because this happened December 13th of 2012 is when I put this episode out. And I want to say it was like, obviously it was before that. So um, 
very cool. It was a really fun time to meet these people. They're all really great. And if you don't know, you should be checking out their podcast because yay. So anyway, this is uh, a best of episode. And this uh, particular clip that we're about to hear is from that roundtable from the Pagan Podcast Supermoot number three. surrounded with the same stimuli, you're never going to have inspiration. So if you're constantly just overthinking it, you're never going to have it. Go live it. Go do it. You're already a witch. You just got to go like, let yourself go really be I'm really glad that you said that I haven't done yet. I've been reading. I've been researching. I've been doing. Because so often, you know, the, the newbie person comes in and they grab the book and they flip past the why and they go straight to the practice of it. And there's so much that you miss uh, you know, and there's so many yeah, more questions that develop from why are you doing this? This doesn't make sense to me, but sure, I'll do it because it's on Scott Cunningham, page 147, yada yada. So I'm glad that you are doing the research, but no, they're absolutely right. At some point, you do have to start just doing it. And and when you said that you do have, the stuff, <laughs> do the stuff. When you said that you have haven't had any magical experiences, that's not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, life is a magical experience, and that's part of sort of the revelation that you end up having. Having, having when you you start paying attention, mm-hmm. and that's I would say that that is step one of your magical practice is paying attention, and that's something that I wish I had been told, and because I was very judgmental of my own stuff, and I, even to this day I still say I don't practice, I don't I don't do stuff, and then I think to my, and as soon as I hear myself say it, I go yes you do, mm-hmm. you just don't it's it's not it's not what you know, going to page one forty seven. Exactly. It's 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 living and and so you you are living a magical life and you're you're awakening to it. Well, and, sorry. And you will feel silly. <laughs> oh yes. And you will yes. think yes. if anybody is looking at me, they will think I'm insane. 
and you will mess up and things will fall over and stuff will spill and that is totally okay. That is but what it's fires. about. Yeah. Put out the fire. Put out, put out the fire. Yes. Put out the fire and that's not Yes, but it will happen. You have to find an excuse to practice. Yeah. I mean, especially at first. And we, like we, everyone, we a lot of pagans that get down on Christians, but at least they actually take the time each week to go and be spiritual. Like pagans, we just get so wrapped up in our stuff that that's what it is for them. They get to, you know, on Sundays, that's their time to go be with God. You need to make an excuse when you're doing laundry, you know, like that was, that's what I did. Like I would do laundry and I'd go, I'm going to put extra oils or herbs or something in with this laundry. And that's my excuse to make magic happen. Because if I wait around for page 147 to manifest itself, because I need it that time, ain't never going to happen. Well, and something that you, you, I'm sure you've heard us talking about our Fortuna altars and stuff like that. And I have to have that like in my living room. Because, uh, you know, there's part, I think each of us would agree, there's parts of our practice that we do, and there's parts of our practice that we like to pretend that we do. Yes. <laughs> and for yep. me, honestly, I'll go ahead and be the first to lay down and admit, you all can make fun of me, because I'm sure you already do, but it's, it, it's um, the going to the altar and spending time at my altar. I spend time with Daddy. I, I do a lot of, like, I, I'm big in exercise. I go outdoors, and I run, and I'm out in the woods, and I'm running out in the woods. And, you know, I, I go, and I go swim, and I go swim in water that is not in a pool. You know, I, I go outside, and so that's my time with Daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, so me going to the altar does not rank up there in the list of priorities. But when things like, you know, you're doing altar work... I need to put that right in front of my face because if I don't, my face is going to forget it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, you know, Velma was convinced me, oh, Fortune Alter, totally do it. Um, <laughs> it's the pagan prayer of Jabez. Yeah, anyways. Uh, but, uh, no, it, it, you know, when, when we were talking about doing it, it was, I'm like, I'm going to have to put this somewhere where I will use that. So make it useful for yourself. Incorporate it into your daily life and forgive yourself if you don't do something. If you don't follow the book exactly or if the book doesn't just really does not jive with you like we were talking about earlier, adapt it to yourself but adapt yourself to it. Um, you know, now there are you know, paths that are very, very specific. You need to follow it in a specific way but generically speaking, adapt yourself to it and you know, adapt it to you. If a book or somebody's telling you to do something specific, don't look at it in the sense of following the details as a, as a baking recipe. Try to find the heart of it, the essence of it. What are they trying to accomplish? What is the end that I want as a result from what I'm doing? And then try to figure out how you can make that happen. I just wanted to piggyback off of what you said and, and, and what you said earlier in your talk about omens and signs. You know, paying attention. You know, um, Devin, I think, said, uh, or, or possibly... Uh, when, when a non-witchy person sees an owl fly, it's an owl, and oh, that's cool. You know, when you pay attention and you think, oh, you know, that, sometimes that's all the difference that it is, is paying attention to the things around you. You know, doing the spell and then paying attention for the results. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, pay a little bit more attention, possibly. And I was just thinking about what we just did with Saturn and the dance workshop is mm-hmm. just being in yourself and letting go. And like, like you were saying, be silly, but... Love it and be yourself and just go in there, just do what you're gonna do, and you know let the stuff happen. And, and you, learn, you learn from it as you do it. You learn from it. Yeah. You say, okay, now this works. This doesn't work. Okay, now I know what I like and what I don't like and what what connects and what I don't understand. And, and some of the most spiritual experiences you'll ever have are totally spontaneous. 
Like, I remember shortly after I started on this path, I was in the car, and I was driving straight east, and there was a full moon rising directly in front of me, and it was huge, and the sun was setting, and I could see the sun setting in my rearview mirror. And it was, like, really, really profound. And it was one of those totally random moments, well, and I still morning, remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This morning at the Golden Gate Bridge, you had the bridge in the middle of your view, you had the sun over there, and you can still see the moon in the sky, and so you had the bridge between the sun and the moon, and it yeah. was just kind of an awesome moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why can't my iPhone get that panorama? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there was, you know, there was beautiful clouds, yes. there was fog. Yep. It was like, we, we were totally... It's just all of the dichotomy. Yeah, it's yeah, all, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Place between two worlds. Yes. Exactly. I was also going to say, you know, you've already had a spiritual experience if you were here for the dancing. That was, you know, that was, that was me. You know, I went to PantheaCon for the first time um, last year. Yeah! Spirit fingers, and um, <laughs> and uh, it was my first. And you know what? I got in line at the last minute for um, it was ritual possession, and it was exorcism. Wow! And we were doing. Ex- I know, right? And I'm like, I was like, I, there was. I didn't know what. And I, I'm so glad I got into that line because I, I was just doing it as you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of the word exorcism because I come from a Christian, you know, background. I thought, you know. If I'm not uncomfortable, who's going to stop you walking away if I don't, or not participating? And so, I, and I, but I didn't know what to expect. Guess what we did? We danced. We danced all of our troubles away and, and sort of had this exorcism of all of this stuff. In it. And it was, it was, it's really hard to describe because it was actually very intricate, but so personal. No. And I was, it's okay. And I, I was, um, that, I walked out of that and thought, well, that wasn't such a big deal. I mean, I was in terms of it was almost like losing my virginity. You know, it was like that wasn't such a big deal. It's like really all that build up and all I had to do was get in the line and be. In- <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. Can I tweet that? Yes. Get in line. You are out of Twitter jail. Okay. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> on the uh, breaking the dew barrier, yes, it can be very hard to break the dew barrier. There's a couple of tricks to it. Um, making a list of things you want to do, like if you if the oh, imagine itself of what you see yourself, what is paganism. Make a list, and I mean literally, write it down so that you have it handy and ready when you have the urge. When you're like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool to do something, and then that's and then you have that stop, right? I'm sure you've had that moment where you want to, but then you stop. You have to promise yourself. You have to set it up that you're going to break that barrier, and it's hard to break that barrier. Yeah, but it, it's there are things yeah. you can do, like making a list, like promising yourself you're going to do it. But in the end, it's like getting on top of that ten foot fucking tall diving board, and you're up there. You you got to you're coming down one way or the other. You're either walking back and away from it, or you're taking the leap, right? So you got to do. And on that same note, um, you know, this practicing a magical spirituality is kind of like in your Reese's cup. There's no wrong way to. But you got to eat the cup. Being said, don't. I think you're right about making a list, but whatever you do, don't over or undercomplicate yes. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Especially, don't overcomplicate it. But yeah. um, you know, make 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 it something that you can do, and something you can repeat doing, and something you can let build um, some magical significance in your life. You know, if that's something as simple as 
Um, if you're wanting to develop an ancestral practice, putting a photo of one of your ancestors out with a glass of water, you know, and coming to that once a week and just saying hi, kiss on the mirror or on the frame, that's it. Something, though, that you can do, that you can repeat, that you can uh, let build some magical significance over time, that will help you develop, I think, what I call the magical mentality. Uh, you, you, can, you can really uh, start to see the world through a magical lens that way. Um, so that would be my, my advice is make the list, but don't make the... Don't no, make the, yes. the full hermetic ritual. But <laughs> <you're right. laughs> Let the urge take you. Like uh, walking from you know car or bus or whatever to wherever you're going, you're walking and there's a park and there's that little internal urge to go, ooh, park. Follow the urge. Yeah. yeah. Follow the urge. Yes, Screw the destination. Follow mm-hmm. the urge and just see where it takes you. And if it takes you to sitting under the tree, don't overthink it. Stop the thinking of, you're right, I'm under a tree. Why am I under a tree? Is this pagan? She says, "Stop thinking about it." Mm-hmm. Just be under a tree. Yeah. Yeah. You stop and listen. So I think you were saying, like it's the listening, it's the absorbing the language of, of the world around you. The, the big thing is, I mean, for me, I, I, magic has to be something that's important to you. I had a really great teacher say, "If magic, if you're going to live magic, going to breathe magic, you want to do it like an artist paints and like an artist dances, like a, a writer, a poet, you know, writes poetry." So you think of what's your expression. And magic is just that expression. So you look at your long-term goals. I want to graduate from college. I want to get my master's degree and go become a, a psychotherapist somewhere. Great. Well, how energetically can you help align that stuff up magically mm-hmm. with your goals? When you're signing your, your college, you know, whatever, you know, okay. you're doing that with intention, you know, and you're signing that check over, God forbid, you know, to the college. Don't make it a negative thing where, like, here goes my money. You say, here's my investment. And it's a totally different thing. It's about how you and your, your world are, are flowing and functioning together. And then you become the master unknowingly. And, and it does eventually become a lifestyle, not mm-hmm. a weekend practice. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be back to where you started and you'll be like, I should really do more pagan-y things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. yep. Yeah, like, the opposite spectrum is when you sit around and go, God, I need to do more shit than what I do now. I'm so lazy. I don't do yeah. enough. I don't... As you're lighting your candles on your own. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish I was a witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, just, we just got this lovely email that we talked about on our last show about how somebody was like, God, how do you manage time so well? You do X and you do Y and you do Z, and it's like so to kind of that point. It was just you forget that you are doing things sometimes. You you kind of forget that that you are. But no, um, you do need to make sure that you can float things with your mind. Yeah, yeah, that's That's like chapter. That's like chapter three. Yeah, yeah. If you can't do that, you're not a good one. Yeah, yeah. Just forget about it and walk away. We're not going to do it in front of you right now, but we totally do it in front of you. If you listen to his last podcast, he's doing it the entire time. You just can't see it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, pretty much. Well, just to piggyback off that, though, you know, if 
something, it's, you know, you can follow instincts, you can, you know, do all of that. But sometimes you need to make the time, like you were saying, do it. You know, and if you're needing time to meditate, if you're needing time to back off. Especially when you're habit forming. Say, you know, form the stop. Of yeah. Your acknowledgements and your so just do all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really easy. So. <laughs> And we all definitely have it and never question ourselves. One breath at a time. I wanted to add something. Um, when you start anything, like if you start learning a musical instrument or you decide you're going to learn how to ski, the first couple times isn't going to suck. Like, you're going to be like, I'm going to learn piano and it's going to sound horrible, or I'm going to learn ski and you're just going to fall all day and it is not fun. But you have to stick with it and you have to practice. And after you start practicing, then you pick things up. And then once you start picking things up, it becomes easier to pick more things up. But those first couple times, they really suck. And it's, I mean, it's anything you start. I mean, like if you decided that all of a sudden you wanted to take, I don't know why you would do this, but you if, say you wanted to take a, a mineral, a college-level mineralogy class. They're going to stick. <laughs> say, just, just, you know, just and This is a good example, though. They're going to say, by the end of this semester, you need to be able to identify 90 different minerals, and you need to know all of their chemical formulas. You're going to sit there and be like, oh my god. But you have to start, and you have to go, okay, I'm starting here. And you start there, and then you go to the next one, and you go to the next one, and you go back. And it's, if you keep working at it, then it seems very daunting to start with. But if you take it one step at a time, and acknowledge that the first couple steps are going to be really rough, the more you do it, the easier it gets to keep going. That's what they call it, practicing. Practice, practice, practice. 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 Yeah. yeah. We, we were in a little toy shop down the street, and there was this little uh, little box of tumbled rocks. And instead of, <laughs> but on the back, it listed what they were. But instead of doing that, we were just, like, identifying them. And I was so proud, because I was like, oh, I know these. And there's, like, you know, 60 of them I don't. But, you know, I'm like, hey, I can identify that and that. And Ten years ago, I couldn't. You know, and it's, it, like you're saying, you know, you, you hear people, it's like, oh, you know, you need, somebody said, you know, to make money drawing incense and there's just people that know 60 different formulas for it and I respect them I bow to you I can't do that I'm good if I know one so I mean you know everybody has different strengths I think that at the end of the day to quote his, his holiness the Dalai Lama um, Dalai Lama says that uh, in life you can choose to grow or you can choose to be comfortable but you can't have both at the same time Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And I think to grow, we need to find our comfort in the discomfort. So that's that's finding, like you said, it's just, you're just going to be silly and you're going to feel stupid. And you got to love it. You got to love it. You're going to like, it's one of those days you're not going to feel stupid. And then you should probably shut. So you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so does anybody else have a question? Oh no, you are you are welcome to ask. Um, I'm also I'm Linda again. Um, I'm also Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. <laughs> I'm also new on the path, but I've been listening to many of your podcasts for a couple of years now. Um, and what really has brought it home lately is my grandfather passed away a couple of months ago, earlier in the summer, and I'm very very close with him. So I've been thinking a lot about death and the afterlife or lack of afterlife. And I guess what I was, and also about. Um, like what it means to live a good life, or what it, what, what the success criteria is for living a good life, and you know my parents are very conservative Christian, and like for them it's so easy, it's such an easy answer to that question. Like, 
what, how do they define successfully living their life? Oh, well, they want to get closer to, to God and to um, fulfill God's plan for their life. And that's, their, that's how they define like living a good life. But I wanted to know, as pagans, I know you guys all practice very different um, practices, but what, what is, like, if you could distill, what is your, your life sort of goal, or like, what's your... your... Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think of this one. Know thyself Uh is a good start. By knowing yourself and observing your surroundings, you realize the similarities and you start to make the connections. And as you progress with how much you're learning and how much you're aware and how much you're working with this, you get to know what you really like. Like here, not here, Mm -hmm. but here. You know what you like, you know what you don't like. You know what really grates your trigger points, your... Your, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and when you get to a point where that's all right in front of you and you can see it as a whole, that's your soul. Mm-hmm. And that is that is what you're made of, and that is what you're made to do. That is your meaning of life. And then you can do with it what, what, what you have to do at that point. In the fairy tradition, we have a really beautiful um, prayer, and there's, a, there's a, a lot of work surrounding this very particular topic. Um, a lot, like years worth of work. But it, it's, there's an interesting thing that it, basically the idea is that through our work, we realize that we are God. There is God. We're God. So if we're God, it means we're super powerful and we've done good things to ourselves and bad things to ourselves and others and so on and so forth. So the idea is when you think of like where do you – what's that guiding factor day to day to live a good life? For, for, for us, it's, it's thou art God. Who is this God and what is their work? And so for us, it's about getting up every day and saying, okay, if I'm God and I have the power to impact myself, my family, my whatever, my community, how am I going to do that? And sometimes that's just sitting at home and watching TV and judging what I see on Georgie Shore. And sometimes that's like going out and actually getting off my ass and writing an article for PNC or for something. But it's about, in that moment, where's my power? And am I giving power? Am I taking power? Am I, what am I doing here? Because it's not going to matter to me at the end of the day, you know, what, like, like you said, your parents, they've got a very, they know what to do. Yeah. We're not told what to do. Right. And that's the beauty of it, right. is that we are wild. We are free. We're able to go explore those different tangents, those different parts of ourselves. And no one's going to look at you weird for it. But that also makes it really scary. Absolutely. Because you Absolutely. have to figure out what it is. Exactly in you that uh-huh. is, is going to give you that fulfillment and is going to let you contribute and, and nobody tells you. Uh-huh. And that can be very overwhelming. And you need to get out in community. You need to go meet yeah. people, go do things, go have experiences. And, and the, exactly, like right now. Ask lots of questions and look for the answers. Yep. Okay, Mons and Scarlett. She was first. Okay, then oh. Scarlett then Mons. <laughs> okay. Um, I, this isn't necessarily an answer, but this is kind of just, I've been thinking a lot about this too. Um, and it was kind of put into a capsule for me by somebody, and I don't know the history of the way that they said this, but they said something about they wanted to have something to take up the steps of Valhalla with them, knock on the door, say, hey, my God, this is what I bring. This is what I've done. Let me in. And I just keep thinking about that in that terms of what can I take to heaven with me, so to speak. That, And it's not necessarily God judging, well, this is what, it's, it's myself saying, what is worth me presenting to my God's at the end of my life or whatever and finding my work. What is my work? What is, you know, what do they want me to do? What do I need to do just to be whole? And it, it's hard to figure that out. I mean, it's that's what we're here for is to ask that question and figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, think that's kind I think it's of, a beautiful way of looking at it, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was powerful for me when you said that. I was like, wow. Yeah. I don't 
It's like, you know, do I believe in an afterlife? Do I not? Does it matter? 
Um, I, I'm at the point where I, at this per, at this particular point in my life, I'm like, it doesn't matter yeah. because we can't control it. We can't, and and oh, if we can design it, <laughs> if we can design it, then it's what we're doing here now. And so you are designing your life for the now and for the future, and that's something that almost every faith would agree with. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's a big lesson in life, then, then take that. That is your meaning. Me, you know, you, you make meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that, that's my, you know, <laughs> my milk stew is complete. Oh. So that, that love, and you make your own meaning, and, and it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. I'm sorry. If, and, if that, and if that's not a comfortable answer for some people, then... That's that is, that is, true. maybe not meant to be comfortable. Right. It's not comfortable for me. I'm not, not comfortable with it at all. Yeah. We just said how comfortable That's is not kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So in my world, I see it as service. So mm-hmm. that comes into the you have to know yourself in order to truly serve yourself mm-hmm. and the world around you. And true service comes from a place of love. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. So that for me is the point, is to serve in whatever way that is meant to manifest. Mm-hmm. And I know, learn that by learning myself, and I do it. I think the hardest thing for me was to, was to accept that, because I'm a really loving person, like, by any, like, to the point where it's gotten me burned a couple times, right? And, uh, and uh, so the, for me, it was always that love somehow equaled weakness, and I think in my spiritual last couple years, what I've learned is that love is the most unweak thing ever, <laughs> you know, and and it doesn't mean that I'm I, because I love you. I'm going to take a step back and I'm not going to tell you how I feel about something, or I'm going to let you behave in a way that's impacting other people negatively. All it means that I love, love myself enough to see what you're doing and say, "It's t- no, I'm sorry, this is not exactly." And that's that's a hard thing is when you have to you know get that in your brain and kind of let that. Every single time you have to go hit that moment, you have to let it process, you have to go, where is that, and where's the balance here, and is this okay, or is this not okay? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the only person you are responsible for is yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to make sure that you're protected, and that you're safe, and that you feel strong, and that you do feel like you've, that day helped you get a little further along. Mm-hmm. And if not, then at some point, you, you got lost in all yeah. of that. You know, yeah. yeah. just gave me an aha moment, which is really what this is about. So aha it's so awesome to have everybody in the same room. Of you know, when your personal mantra, when your purpose, or whatever, when it has a period at the end of it, and I'll throw grammar at the window. I know, for me to say that, um, <laughs> uh, you know, if your purpose has a period at the end of it, you know, if your answers have periods at the end of them. It's not like the kind of purpose that leaves that leads to a seeker's mentality. Yes. And I think what's different about our kind of path is that it is typically, I think a lot of us would agree, it is typically a seeker's path. We are always seeking, uh, you know, more answers, more understanding, more communion, that kind of thing. And you know, so I just think whatever your answer is that you come up with, don't let it have a period at the end of it, so that it leads you to continuing. To you know, even yeah. if it's just a question mark at the end, you know, why, why, why? Just continue to ask. I love that. Yes, really cool. I have something to add too. Um, one of the things I've noticed in, I mean, I've been a student my whole life basically, is the more you know, the more you know that you don't, don't know. know. Yes. Yes. yes, the stupider you feel. That's actually what my and grandpa would always say. Which yeah. Is really <laughs> yeah. So, so recognizing that in this path, you're always asking questions, you're always learning more things, and that brings up more questions, and you 
realize what, how much you don't know, and taking it a second to realize that that itself is knowledge, that you now know what you don't know, and you know where you want to go ask questions. And if you take a moment every once in a while to look back at all, everything you've learned, you realize you've come a long way, and there's this amazing, huge world in front of you of things that you don't know and you may never be able to know, but the fact that you can see it is amazing, yeah. and that that is where you're going into the unknown. And that knowledge itself is its own sacred quest. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be looking for answers. You're, you're, I hate using this, I mean, it's, we all talk about the journey, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, you're not seeking knowledge to seek an answer. You're seeking knowledge to seek, to seek knowledge. Knowledge in and of itself. It's more, more than we deserve. <laughs> Alright, that does it for today. Once again, uh, my name is Devin Hunter, and you're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast. It is Podmass, and this has been a best of episode. If you are interested in more Modern Witch, all you gotta do is go to modernwitch.com. It is that easy. And of course, tell your friends. So if you love me, and you love the show, and you want it to continue, it would be awesome if you could uh, definitely go and rate the show on whatever platform you're listening to. Five stars is, of course, the, the, the correct uh, rating for you to give the show but an honest review is always wonderful and it's always great to help me get the word out and help the show spread and all you know how this works you're not new you're not new and it's pod mass so once again thank you so much happy holidays happy pod mass it is a fantastic time to be alive and if you are here with me listening to the show i want you to know i am grateful for you i am thankful for you and I hope that we have a fantastic another hundred or so episodes to go. Uh, so the next episode, we are going to have one more best of because there are some things I wanted to share that I didn't get to squeeze into this time frame. And then we're going to move on to our Wheel of Time deep dive, which is really it's taking a lot of work, folks. There is research going on that I was not prepared for. Anyway, happy pod mass. Thanks for hanging out. Modern Witch, ModernWitch.com. I'm Devin Hunter. There are forces at work here, dark, incomprehensible forces.